This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolman, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Yes, hello everyone. How have you survived today? That easterly is still blowing strongly. And I think we've got to about 37 odd degrees. But I reckon we're in for a warm night. It's around 36 already. Uh, at this stage, and we've just ticked over five o'clock in Perth and probably hotter in other parts of Western Australia, wherever you may be listening. Great to have you on board. It's uh, Sports Day WA for the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years. What's coming up on the program? I'm going to be speaking uh, to a gentleman by the name of Adam Jones. Now, he's the West Australian Football Commission State Talent Manager, and he's going to reflect on what he thought about the draft, okay? That is the AFL draft. The rookie draft was today. 14 Western Australians were selected by AFL clubs. And was it a pass mark? Was it high distinction? Was it maybe not what they expected? So we'll speak to Adam Jones on the program a bit later on. Now, there is talk around town that Cameron Green, who arrived back here in Perth after being part of the Australian World Cup winning squad, could be playing Sheffield Shield cricket for WA against Queensland. We know at this stage he's not playing in the BBL because he needs to take a break before the test series rolls around. The first test, Australia-Pakistan on December 14 here at Optus Stadium. And there has been talk that he just needs to freshen up. But there is a bit of dialogue coming out of the wacker that he could be playing with his mates uh, Sheffield Shield cricket. They, I think there's one Shield game to go and then they uh, the Shield competition goes into recess with the BBL about to crank up during the month of December. But anyway, we'll uh, talk to Kate Harvey, who's the West Australian Cricket Association General Manager of High Performance. He's going to have a chat to us a bit later on. Also chat to us about... Aaron Hardy, who is now in India because he's now been called up with Dave Warner pulling out of the T20 series. Isn't that crazy? You've got a World Cup. And then all of a sudden, a lot of the Australian players, I think there's seven in total from that World Cup winning squad that are staying back to be part of uh, the T20 series. Five matches to be played. Do you think they'd be allowed to go back home and just freshen up and get ready for the Test Series? But some of them have still got to be playing cricket. Speaking about some of the players that have been allowed to come back and freshen up, for the good oil for Cobram Estate, premium Australian extra virgin olive oil, we're talking about the World Cup winning Australian cricket team. One was Mitch Marsh, who arrived back in Perth today. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, it's been a crazy 48 hours, but um, it's nice to be back on home soil. Talk us through the celebrations. Travis Head looked like he was best on during the game. He looked like he was best on post-match. Yeah, look, he's... Um, <laughs> winning World Cups is made for him, I think. <laughs> um, 
they're still going in India, so I'm um, looking forward to seeing what pans out over the next few days. But um, yeah, Hetty was definitely uh, in the votes. As you know, he's been the front up in T20 yeah, I'm not sure he'll be playing that game. Um, I'm no selector or coach, but uh, if he plays that game, it'd be a miracle. Okay, that was Mitch Marsh on his return to Perth International Airport early today. And as we know, Pat Cummings, Josh Hazelwood, Mitchell Stark, they all flew back into Sydney. And the Australian skipper had this to say at the airport. And I don't think he's really got over the shock and the surprise and the elation of winning the World Cup. Yeah, really proud. It's been a big year. Um, I feel like we've spent more time, well, we've spent about six months on the road, basically, and, um, yeah, to top it off with this, it's been amazing. And, um, yeah, I guess as captain, there's always things you do that sometimes don't pay off, and sometimes they do pay off, and, yeah, I was pretty pretty pumped to, uh, obviously, win the other day. But, um, yeah, career highlight, captaincy aside, just as a player, playing with these boys, um, doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, it doesn't get any better for Pat Cummings, who's just uh, risen in stature as far as an Australian cricket captain is concerned. It's amazing, just over 12 months ago, with the demise of Justin Langer, maybe a bit longer than that, and also uh, coming out and being, uh, well, alienating himself from one of the corporate sponsors of uh, Cricket Australia. We all remember that, uh, that he wouldn't get involved with one of the... Uh, Wood, was it Woodside? That he wouldn't get involved with uh, Woodside in relation to a promotion because they were sponsors of Cricket Australia. Anyway, it got many people offside. And for a moment, uh, the Australian cricket team weren't the flavour of the month. Uh, you just need to win a World Cup and you're back in everybody's good books. You can join us on the Temper of Bedshed text machine 0487 736 736. Or you can give us a call 13 12 55. There's a couple of texts coming through, and we'll get to those in just a moment. The rookie draft happened today. Very shortly, we will speak. In fact, it was Alinta Energy, uh, not uh, Woodside that I mentioned earlier. Alinta Energy was the one that uh, was Pat Cummings made reference to. But just going back to the draft, as we know, Fremantle uh, in the AFL draft took Cooper Simpson at pick 35, Ollie Murphy pick 41, and Jack DeLean at pick 60. And I suppose with a limited hand, the Dockers have played it uh, pretty uh, smartly, actually. Simpson could be the sleeper midfielder, hit of uh, this class, while Murphy is far more talented as an intercept defender. And then pick 41 suggests, and DeLean fits uh, a need as a creative smaller forward. So there's been a bit of thinking in that. As we know, West Coast, Harley Reid pick one, Archer Reid pick 30, Clay Hall pick 38, and Harvey Johnston pick 49. As we know, uh, the Eagles drafting Harley Reid, that's really all that matters. But Archer Reid is an interesting choice as a key forward with lots of upside, but plenty of developing to do. And Hall is a good pick for midfield grunt and Johnston is a versatile mid-forward. And today in the rookie draft, again, the Eagles had the first selection there and they picked up Locke Rawlinson from the Sturt Football Club in the Sandfall. Fremantle had picked five, picked up Odin Jones from the West Perth Footy Club in the Waffle. And then uh, Xavier Welsh from the East Perth Footy Club has ended up at Port Adelaide, was taken pick 13 in the rookie draft. And a Category B rookie for West Coast is Cohen Livingston. So there you go. That's what happened today 
in the rookie draft. Speaking of the rookie draft, we will speak uh, to the talent manager of the West Australian Football Commission. And his name, as we know, is Adam Jones. He's going to join us in a moment. And that update, thanks to Cobram Estate, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, grown, harvested and first cold-pressed in northern Victoria. And don't forget, uh, the Wildcats take on the Sydney Kings uh, this weekend, and you can join the Red Army this NBL season by becoming a Perth Wildcats member today. Just jump online and check out the details. It's seven past five. This is Sports Day WA. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Yeah, it's great to have your company. Peter Vlahos with you. Tempera Bedshed text machine is there for you. 0487. 736, 736. Interesting, uh, uh, there is a bit of an alert at the moment. For those people that are listening around the Wanneroo area, uh, the fire conditions have up, been upgraded around Wanneroo and now it's too late to leave. Uh, as we know, soaring temperatures have smashed records across WA with fires breaking out in multiple locations throughout the Perth metro area and in the regions. And we know that a heat wave warning remains current from today right across the weekend for the metro area and parts of WA's north. So a too late to leave upgrade in Wanneroo. Now, uh, there has been also a fire in Auburn Grove and reportedly residents have fought fire with garden hoses up there. And there's also bushfire advice issued for the Shire of Murray. So there's plenty happening. And just check the DFES website on exactly uh, where you may be if you are affected by those fires currently in the Perth metro area and, of course, in the regions as well. Let's just update a bit of sport for Polaris, Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand. Dan Curtin, a lot has been said about him, picked up uh, by Adelaide Crows at number eight in the national draft on Monday in the first round. Today, he was actually a guest on SENSA's Kimbo and Rich program. And firstly, this is what he said on being drafted by the Crows. Oh, yeah, well, I'm totally stoked to be coming to the city of Adelaide. And, um, yeah, I'm actually really happy they picked me up. And, I mean, they're in a really great position right now and they're on the way up. And hopefully I'm good enough to put my best foot forward and try to sneak a spot in there. Um, but if not, then I'll get back to training hard and just work my way through the year and try to break in where I can. And he also went on to talk about his 2023 year here in Perth, of course, with the Claremont Footy Club. Yeah, yeah, no, it's been a huge year, and especially coming off only playing three games last year, was really happy just to get through a full year of footy. And, um, yeah, I mean, I had goals that I wanted to achieve at the beginning of the year, and, um, yeah, pretty happy with where I ended up in achieving them also. Just a couple of other sports stories. As we know, the Socceroos have started their World Cup qualifying campaign and defender Harry Souter maintained his goal-scoring form to steer the Socceroos to a hard foot but unconvincing 1-0 World Cup qualifying win over Palestine. Uh, the Socceroos sit uh, top of Group 1 on six points after Souter nodded home in the 18th minute, uh, but only a magnificent save from Matty Ryan, the goalkeeper, just before half-time, stopped an excellent Palestine from equalising. With Bangladesh and Lebanon drawing 1-1 in their earlier match, Australia will resume qualifying in March of next year 
four points clear with four matches to play and the top two teams in the group go through to the next stage. Interesting story also coming out regarding football where the international career of, in fact, this is a cricket story, of Australian-born transgender cricketer Danielle Magee would appear to be over after the ICC ruled players who have been through male puberty will not be able to compete in international women's cricket. Now, the change in regulations appears to have been prompted by the case of Magay, who became the first transgender cricketer to take part in an official international match when she featured in a women's T20 fixture for Canada against Brazil. Now, the Brisbane-born 29-year-old who played great cricket as a man in Melbourne moved to Canada in 2020, having transitioned socially and then medically to a woman, she began playing women's cricket in Canada and was called into the national team in October of 2022. So uh, a ruling handed down there by the International Cricket Council. And McGay's now uh, career, you think, is possibly over. 16 minutes past five. He's joined us now on the line for Mate Fair Dinkum Internet Without the Fuss. Uh, we're talking about Adam Jones. He's the West Australian Football Commission State Talent Manager, and he joins us here on Sports Day WA. Adam, thanks for your time. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for having me on. Uh, your general consensus on the draft, and of course we had the rookie draft today, what, 14 players in total coming out of Western Australia. Must be pretty happy with that. Yeah, we're really pleased with the result. 18% of the draft um, is fantastic. And uh, to see those 14 boys now get an opportunity on an AFL list and realise their dreams, um, we're, we're really pleased. What were your expectations going into the draft on Monday? Uh, we, we sort of thought... I was thinking between 10 to 15 was the range, and but I probably... Little bit worried that um, that overall draft numbers might have might have made it a little bit closer to ten, but to, to get it closer to that fifteen, um, yeah, it was just super pleasing. Many people were sort of giving their opinion pre-draft on uh, the caliber of the da- draft, the quality and the depth. How do you think it compared to previous drafts? No, really, really strong, uh, really competitive compared to uh, some of our last drafts. We we had, you know. Two boys taken in the top 20 and four in that first round. Um, first round did balloon out to 29 picks, but, um, you know, that sort of similar levels to the last couple of years. And then to get players taken um, at, at most levels throughout the draft meant that, you know, we had some good depth as well. Um, so, yeah, we were really pleased with the level of talent, particularly given, you know, we didn't have the, the strongest performances in the national championships this year. Um, but but our talent was uh, was strong, and then that showed in the draft today. Can you share maybe some insights into the key attributes that you believe contributed to the success of the drafted players from WA? Uh, there's a number of different areas that clubs are looking at, and you know, particularly when when the eastern states clubs have to have to draft WA kid uh, and ship them across the country, they're looking for really strong characters, you know, guys that are going to be able to handle a move into state and, and fit into a club environment really well, and particularly guys that, that are strong competitors. Um, the feedback we're getting pre-draft as well is that, you know, some of the midfielders now at AFL level, you need speed and power to be able to compete with the, the top-line midfields like your, your Petrakas and, and Clayton Olivers. So 
speed, power, a big a big factor. And then, you know, guys that are footy smart and can kick the footy uh, really well, um, they never go out of fashion either. Mm. Did you expect the West Coast Eagles to uh, stay with their number one draft pick? That was all the talk. And there was a lot of talk also about Dan Curtin, who got picked up uh, at number eight, and he's on his way to the Adelaide Crows. Your thoughts on those two individuals that were very much the headlined act going into the draft on Monday? Yeah, I think uh, you know, a week leading in when it was clear that West Coast might not have been able to get two top ten picks if they were give, to give up that number one pick, uh, I think it was clear that, that they were going to take Harley. And, um, yeah, he looks a, a, a generational-type talent with you know, a lot of those attributes that I just mentioned. He's, he's powerful, he's quick, he's footy smart. And I think he's got the, the right type of character to handle the pressure um, and expectation that's going to come with that first pick. So, you know, fantastic get for West Coast. Uh, and they, you know, I think uh, Rowan O'Brien was quoted, the, the uh, list manager at West Coast, that they were really disappointed not to be able to trade back in to, to pick up Daniel Curtin. Um, but I feel like Adelaide have got an absolute bargain uh, with him at pick eight. And you know, I certainly feel that if, if Dan was a, a Victorian kid, he would have gone in the in the first couple of couple of uh, picks. I, I feel like you know, there's a little bit of a fear factor of taking that top-end talent uh, when you've got some local boys that you, that you can pick. Um, so, yeah, I certainly feel like Adelaide have got an absolute bargain. Adam, were there any surprises or standout performances, maybe in the draft process, maybe players that exceeded your expectations on where they went? Um, yeah, it's, it's always sort of hard to comment on that. Like, uh, I sort of had nine players from, from WA that, you know, I was pretty confident in going, and they were the, the first nine taken. And then, um, you know, to see guys, other guys like... Yeah, you know, Reese Tyron get his opportunity um, to Brisbane with the last pick in the draft, and Lawson Humphreys as a mature ager. Yeah, you know, it's fantastic. They're they're two great quality kids, and to see them get a chance is is awesome. And you know, a guy like Odin Jones, uh, who went to Fremantle, who you know that interrupted year with injuries and concussion and um, and a few setbacks with illness, he's a competitive beast. So you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he'll go over the next couple of years as well as the, the rest of the boys that got picked up. They're young boys, there's no question. They're teenagers. So how do you collaborate, if you do, with AFL clubs to ensure there is a pretty much a seamless transition for players moving from state-level competitions primarily to the elite AFL level? Yeah, it's a good good question. And, you know, we speak to all the clubs throughout the year and giving feedback on the character of the boys and... You know, uh, a lot of the questions will revolve around if, if they were to get drafted to that particular club, you know, what's going to be the best setup for them? You know, for some guys, it might be moving in with a host family. They might not be uh, as good in the kitchen or, or as organised, different things like that. So that, that could be a good setup. But, but for other players, um, you know, moving in with, with, with an experienced player so they can learn the professionalism and, uh, you know, dedication and, and drive that's required to succeed we might help fast track a few players as well so you know each player is different and we have discussions pre and post draft with clubs um, to help you know give give the players the best opportunity to settle in in their new club environment a healthy number as you mentioned 14 so i gather the west australian football commission's programs primarily are working uh, where do you think possibly there could be even further scope for improvement and maybe an increase 
of young footballers getting their opportunity at the next level in years going forward? Yes, I certainly think we're, we're, we're holding our own but um, compared with the other states. But I feel that uh, with the Northern, Northern Academies and, and the access that they've got to the, you know, the best talent um, in, in Queensland and New South Wales and, and the resources that the AFL clubs are able to put into those academies, that if we were to rest on our laurels, that, that we could get uh, find ourselves falling, falling backwards. So it's been a real big focus of ours uh, to, to sort of come up with ways that, that we're able to compete with the level of investment that they're getting and, and the Victorians as well. They've got in their um, under-18s competition full-time uh, coaches for boys and girls. So, you know, one, one thing that we've, we've come up with this, this off-season, you know, we've traditionally had a three-week uh, off-season program, uh, pre-season program for the best kids in the state. We've increased that to 11 weeks um, and we've got full-time coach in Mark Webb coming back from the Western Bulldogs, full-time strength and conditioning staff. And we feel like uh, bringing the best kids in the country, in the state, uh, together for a longer period over pre-season is going to help prepare them um, for the year ahead and, and prepare them to be able to compete at national championships level because there's no doubt... Uh, the Allies uh, have improved out of sight over the last couple of years with the, the access to AFL club resources and facilities that a lot of those boys are getting. Mm. And as we let you go, as you mentioned, uh, the 16s, the 18s, uh, better all-round performances at national championships will only enhance the prospects of the individuals taking part in those teams. You're 100% right, Pete. The, the, the better success we have at national championships often translates into better results at, at the draft. So, yeah, big focus is, is, is improving and, you know, we, we weren't happy with our performances this year and, um, you know, we want to get that to a, a really competitive level um, every year so that, so that we have the best opportunity to get as many of our, our WA kids onto AFL lists as possible. Good on you, Adam. Thanks for joining us, mate. We really appreciate Congratulations to everybody involved in the State uh, Talent uh, Development Program. You are, of course, the manager of that program. 14, a healthy number. And let's hope it grows exponentially in years to come under your auspices. Thanks for your time today. No worries, Pete. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, good on you, Adam. Adam Jones, the West Australian Football Commission State Talent Manager, joining us here on Sports Day WA for Mate. Uh, fair dinkum internet without the fuss, and you can score a mobile deal as good as a Sam Kerr worldie with a Mate. All right, we're going to take a break. On the other side of the break, uh, we'll come back. Uh, I see Tom Brady's made the news, and Josh Dacos has been taken to task as well. So I'll tell you what that's all about after the break, and... Not forgetting that Kate Harvey is coming up too. The West Australian Cricket Association uh, General Manager of High Performance, Cam Green, could be playing some Shield cricket after returning to Perth today after being part of the World Cup winning squad there in India. All those details coming your way. So don't go away. Stay where you are. Sports Day WA, thanks to the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years. The all-electric Kia EV6, with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day.
Welcome back to Sports Day WA. It was very interesting, actually, Josh Dacos. It was a great photo of him. Uh, he went to Europe and the UK for his pre-season holidays. A lot of the players do tend to do once the AFL season's over and they conduct their reviews after the end of the season. As was the case with Collingwood being the Premiers, they had it a week after the AFL Grand Final. Then they're allowed, uh, naturally, through the collective bargaining agreement, I think, to have about eight weeks off. So Josh Dacos went to Europe, had a bit of a holiday there with his partner, went to the UK, met up with Ange Postacoglu uh, at Tottenham Hotspur and uh, met him on the field and they had a photo taken and a Spurs shirt was given to Josh Dacos. Anyway, on his return, the 24-year-old said he was quite flat after seeing the world-class facilities of Premier League teams up close during that post-season trip. He says, going over to Europe and going to Tottenham, I saw the treatment they got, and I was quite flat about the treatment we get. It's quite amazing, the disparity in wealth over there. They were telling me that when they are training, and obviously it's quite cold when they play, they have heaters for the ground to make sure the grounds are not frosted. So we don't get that sort of treatment here. And he went on. Well, Tom Elliott is a current affairs broadcaster on Melbourne Radio. And here's just a sip, snippet of what he had to say in relation to Josh's remarks. Josh Dacos needs to understand. I might add that the average English Premier League player earns almost $6 million. The average AFL player salary earns about $400,000. So, you know, they earn about 7% what an EPL player gets. But Josh Dacos needs to understand something here. The AFL, which grew out of the old VFL, is a provincial code of football. It is only played in this country. And he also went on, Tom, saying it's not even played all across Australia and Queensland and New South Wales. It's very much the minority sport. Yes, it's growing in popularity, but it's not nearly as popular as what rugby league is. And point three, he said, we have salary capping over here. Because we have a club structure, we can't afford to just play whatever players demand. While in the EPL, an American football team's owned by billionaires and they keep throwing money at the situation until they get the result they want, which is a premiership. So that was Tom Elliott's reaction there to Josh Dacos. Love to get your thoughts on the temper of bedshed text machine 0487 736 736. The other story that caught my attention is Tom Brady. Of course, the great NFL quarterback. And he reckons the NFL is missing something besides himself uh, during a recent appearance on the Stephen A. Smith show. Now, the seven-time Super Bowl champion who retired from the NFL in February after 23 prolific seasons, thank you very much, shredded the current state of the game and how it's lacking the excellence that he saw in the past. I think there's a lot of mediocrity in today's NFL. Yeah. I don't see the excellence that I saw in the past. Why not? And Why not? I think the coaching isn't as, as good as it was. I don't think the development of young players is as good as it was. The rules have allowed a lot of bad habits to get into the actual performance of the game. Mm -hmm. So I just think the product, in my opinion, is less than what it's been. I think I look at a lot of players like Ray Lewis and Rodney Harrison and Ronnie Lott and guys that impacted the game in, in a certain way, and every hit they would have made would have been a penalty. Mm. You hear coaches complaining about their own player being tackled and not necessarily, why don't they talk to their player about how to protect himself? We used to work on the fundamentals of those things all the time. Now they're trying to be regulated all the time. Offensive players need to protect themselves. It's not up to a defensive player to protect offensive player. A defensive player needs to protect himself. I didn't throw the ball to certain areas because I was afraid players were gonna get knocked out. Mm -hmm. 
That's the reality. Wow. I didn't throw it to the middle when I played Ray Lewis because you knock him out of the game, and I couldn't afford to lose a good player. <laughs> Interesting there from Tom Brady. Of course, played his first 20 seasons of his career in New England, where he won six Super Bowl titles before taking his talents to the Tampa Bay in 2020 for three seasons. He won what was his final Super Bowl in February 2021. Uh, and he's currently on the sidelines. Uh, he's transitioning into a new role next autumn where he slides into the Fox Sports booth as the network's lead NFL analyst. And I'm just wondering what he's getting paid. What would Tom Brady be getting paid by Fox Sports in the US for being the lead NFL analyst? Squillions. Absolute squillions. Hello, Lex. Thanks for joining us on the Tempera Bedshed text machine. Uh, you're a good lady for listening to the program. Sports Day WA 0487 736 736. Hi, Pete. Uh, Pete, I don't understand why clubs bother having academies. They put a lot of time and effort into young players, putting them through the academy, and then they lose them to other clubs in the draft. Doesn't make sense. I agree. And, of course, uh, the Gold Coast Suns have been the beneficiaries of uh, certainly the academies and been able to access players from other academies as well. And I think, you know, certainly in the northern states of New South Wales and Queensland, the academies are very much uh, nurtured and invested in by the AFL and they see that as certainly uh, where a lot of the young players can be brought into the system from those states. But then you've got the academies in the so-called football states that aren't nurtured as much. Uh, I agree with you, uh, Lise. Uh, certainly it was brought out in this AFL draft. That update, thanks to Irrigear, is here to save time and water. Irrigear offers expert advice and better irrigation solutions. So to save time and water, Irrigear is here. All right, uh, just before we take a break, uh, the Football Federation today is saying they are very confident of hosting the 2026 Women's Asian Cup. Now, the announcement is just around the corner, according to the Chief Executive James Johnson. The FA hierarchy continued lobbying the host, uh, the Cup today, at its annual general meeting in Sydney. That was attended by the Asian Football Confederation's Women's Football Committee Chair, Kenya Kiomani. Now, Saudi Arabia and Uzbekistan have also bid to host a tournament with a decision expected within months so Australia hosted the Men's Asian Cup in 2015 with the Socceroos beating South Korea 2-1 in a thrilling extra time final. So we should know in due course whether Australia will be hosting the 2026 Women's Asian Cup. As I mentioned, uh, cricket's coming up on the other side of the break. Uh, the WBBL match, the Crown Pride match, is currently underway over there at the WACA ground. Played in pretty warm and blustery conditions between the Perth Scorchers and the Melbourne Stars. And from all reports, not a bad turnout there at the Wacker. Uh, Kate Harvey is down at the Wacker. We're going to speak to him on the other side of the break. As we mentioned, the WA Cricket General Manager of High Performance. And I'm going to ask him a question uh, about uh, Cameron Green possibly playing Sheffield Shield cricket. By the way, the Stars have started very well in that match. Uh, they are one for 60 off seven overs. One for 60 off seven overs. That's where it currently sits in that match at the WACA ground. As we know, the Perth Scorchers have already qualified for the finals of the WBBL. Kate Harvey comes up next.
Welcome back to Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahosel. Thanks to the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year and Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 45 years. Let me tell you, it's real cricket weather. Even though it's still spring, wherever you may be listening around Western Australia, it's been stifling uh, in relation to the heat and will continue for the next few days. And as we know... Uh, the game between uh, the Perth Scorchers and the Melbourne Stars in the WBBL has got underway, the uh, Crown Pride match. And we welcome the man that is the general manager at the WA Cricket Association of High Performance in Kate Harvey. Kate, thanks for your time. No worries, Pete. It is real cricket weather, isn't it, with the heat? Yeah, we know summer's here. A very warm day today for the girls. It's... Um... Yeah, we've got a few extra drink breaks and a few little things that we can do to try and make it a bit more comfortable. But the, uh, yeah, I think the five o'clock start will um, it'll still be pretty warm. All I'm saying is that when you were playing uh, with the the whites and all that, did you enjoy bowling in these conditions? Oh, I did enjoy bowling, full stop, Pete. But certainly not in these um, in these sort of conditions. Yeah, it's pretty warm today. The, any breeze there is is, is pretty hot. So. Um, yeah, no, it'll be a test for the for both teams. Um, it may, may be a bit tougher for the Melbourne Stars, but um, yeah, I think we'll get through it. The girls have been great all tournament, and um, yeah, I don't think that'll present too many challenges today. Already qualified for the finals. I was talking to Christine uh, Matthews the other day, and she was telling me if the Perth Scorchers do qualify for the WBBL final, uh, it'd have to be played at the Wacker because Coldplay, unfortunately, hasn't allowed the drop-in wickets here at Optus Stadium to go in until roughly now, and it won't be enough time. No, that's right, which is disappointing in a sense, given that, you know, two years ago we we played a, a final at the stadium with 15,000 people, which was just a huge event and, um, yeah, a real showcase event for the girls and, um, and to play there was fantastic. But obviously with these sort of things, you, you don't know in advance if you're going to play in the final or and the right to host it, so it's pretty hard to forecast. And from all reports, um, certainly my daughter said it was a pretty cool show. So um, big show when Coldplay <laughs> comes to town. And, um, you know, we're, we're part of a, a broader venue there as opposed to what we've got at the Wacker where we control the ground. So we're certainly respectful of that. And, yeah, I was um, t- it's a good plan, but we're happy at the Wacker uh, if we get there. At least your daughter read. My daughter told me off, Dad, you didn't get me a ticket. But uh, hang on, that's another story. <laughs> Let's uh, talk about the World Cup win by Australia. What has that done for Australian cricket generally? Because we know... Uh, yeah, 12 months or so ago, the Australian national team was a bit on the nose uh, with the Australian public over the handling of Justin Langer and also with Pat Cummings' comments regarding a corporate partner of Australian cricket. Things were going a bit uh, left to centre, but it looks like a, a win like this in India has turned it all around. Oh, I think so. I think it's a wonderful effort in those conditions and, and some of the challenges of playing in that environment to beat a team like India in, on their home turf with that wicket and, and even just to get through the final after the start. I think it's a huge credit to, to Pat and the team and the support crew and the players for, for being able to pull that off because it's just a, a wonderful achievement. I think the only thing you can do to really top it is that when you win a home World Cup, I think that really, um, you know, this was in the middle of the night and... Um, Probably doesn't capture the imagination quite as much as what you see with the Matildas or, or a World Cup that we won in 2015. But um, nonetheless, it's a it's a brilliant achievement. I think Pat Cummins from the outside looking in has done a fantastic job. He seems to be his own man. He's um, and he's done a great job despite, despite you know the pressure of being the Australian captain. And um, all credit to them. And it can only be a good thing for Australian cricket. Hopefully that. 
you know, we've got the first test of the summer in, in a few weeks' time, and hopefully that's really a, a catalyst to bring people to, to Perth Stadium for the West Test and, um, and to get behind the Australian team again. There was a story going around regarding uh, a member of the Australian cricket team, didn't play the last few games, we're talking about all-rounder Cameron Green, and I spoke to you a little while back uh, about the burnout factor, the fact that he's played so much cricket, and at this stage he's bypassing the BBL competition. But yet I heard a story yesterday that he could be returning to play Sheffield Shield cricket for WA before the Test match. Yeah, we're, we're working through that currently with the Australian um, the National um, Selection Panel and, and, and Cameron. He, he, you know, at the start of the World Cup, um, looking back from there, he'd had a pretty heavy um, six or seven, 12 months um, little period there. But, you know, he went to the World Cup and didn't play a huge role. Um, you know, they had Marcus Dornis and, and, and Mitch Marsh in particular playing um, that role and the conditions probably didn't suit. So he's gone from playing a lot of cricket to having now a bit of, uh, albeit not a freshen up, being on the pine in India, but um, probably looking for some cricket. So um, we're certainly working with, with Cricket Australia around what that looks like. We're obviously really supportive of whenever... Cameron's available, um, we'll take him with open arms. So um, we'll see what that looks like over the next little bit. I think he's landed in Perth today. So um, we'll probably just get a better idea of that over the next couple of days as he gets back in from um, what's been a long time away from home. Well, the Australian T20 uh, team is in action against India. That is tomorrow, our time. And Aaron Hardy with David Warner deciding to withdraw from the T20 side. Aaron Hardy. A West Australian all-rounder, the youngster, has been called upon and he's on his way to the subcontinent. What a great opportunity for it. Yeah, look, it's great, Aaron. I've got the opportunity in the South African series prior to the World Cup to make his debut in, in both formats. So it's another opportunity to be around the Australian team. You know, it's a tough series for the Australians to play. So no doubt some, some fresh players who haven't been away for a long time will no doubt reinvigorate the group. But, yeah, really tough series for both India and Australia to play and I think everyone probably sees that that's a, a challenge in the schedule but I'm sure Aaron Hardy's not too worried about that and you know we've got Jason Berendorf over there as well and um, so they're both guys that will be coming in fresh into that group and can hopefully add a bit of value and we know that any time Australia plays India it's a big event so um, look forward to that getting underway and seeing a couple of more WA boys get, a, get an opportunity. And maybe even an opportunity to cash in with the IPL no doubt recruiters will be viewing this T20 competition with interest. Oh, look, I think any time there's a white ball around, I think it's it's understandable that the players have probably got in the back of their mind. I think that particularly a, a series in India right under the noses of the IPL teams, no doubt an opportunity. And we saw you know, Cameron Green really take that opportunity last year um, to get into that tournament and do really well at the back end in particular. So, um, yeah, I think every time you get a chance to showcase your skill sets for... IPLs is probably in the back of everyone's mind being a you know a premier tournament in world cricket. So um, yeah, I don't think that'll be any different in India, but maybe just a little bit more heightened given that you're um yeah you're in amongst it over there. And Mitch Marsh won't be part of uh, this tournament. Uh, he's on his way home, or maybe home already. Yeah, so I think Mitch is home today. Um, they flew into Melbourne yesterday, I think, and and, and back home. So um, yeah, I think there was a select group that have had a pretty. Um, you know, pretty rugged um, last six or seven months um, um, from the Australian summer through. They've essentially been on the road. So I think there's a freshen up for, for some guys. And I think the Aussie, you know, selectors and management are doing a good job of rotating the players and giving them a break where they need it. I know they do it with the staff as well, which is really important. So um, that's just an opportunity for those guys to freshen up and, and you know, get back into an Australian summer, which um, obviously for everyone here is really important, even though they've had some really 
serious cricket over the last six months and Australian summer is still a really important part of the schedule. So hopefully they all get a freshen up, get to see their friends and family and, and go again. WA cricket is the benchmark of national cricket and we just saw the other day, it always, apart from that little uh, bump in the road against New South Wales in the Sheffield Shield where the WA boys were pretty comprehensively beaten in Sydney, it's been again a good start to the summer campaign and it appears when there's been backs to the wall and there's been a couple of situations where the WA team seemingly have been in a position looking at defeat. They've been managed they've managed to turn it around, as was the case the other night in the Marsh Cup on the back end of Captain Sam Whiteman's century. Yeah, it was a brilliant hundred. It really was. We were under the pump and you know, we had as you said, we had a uncharacteristic week of cricket in, in Sydney a couple of weeks ago and it was really nice in the shield game and the game the other night for the for the boys to bounce back. You know, even when things haven't gone our way we've we still seem to find a way to win games of cricket and someone swings the game back in our favour and, and someone jumps on and and uh, we manage to get the job done. So to beat South Australia, who are going well in those both those games, after, as I say, after those games in, in Sydney was really pleasing and that's been the, the hallmark of this group over the last three years is that, um, you know, we don't get sort of beaten comprehensively too often. So to bounce back, back out of that's been nice and we, and we saw evidence of that the other night and, and in the Shield game, which is a tight game as well. So, mm. But in particular, Sam's innings, that was, you know, tough conditions. The, you know, the, the South Australians had a bit of scoreboard pressure and were taking wickets throughout the innings. So um, to control the innings like he did and for players to bat around him, in particular Jai at the back end there, was, um, was a wonderful effort. And it gets us back up the top and, and hopefully close to another, another one-day final. And, of course, uh, the Shield will go into recess shortly because the BBL will take over. And I gather the Perth Scorchers squad very much now settled. Yeah, we've got a little bit of a transition period now over the next little bit. The guys go to Queensland on Sunday for that last Shield game and um, in the background, we're always sort of got one eye on how we transition in the big bash. But yeah, our group's looking pretty settled. We're, we're still at the whim of, you know, still a few little injury concerns, um, a bit of Australian selection. Um, and so those things are always in the background, but we're pretty confident in the group we're putting together. And um, yeah, that, that, that'll happen in the next week or so where we'll formally transition to, to big bash, but still a really important game up in Queensland to... You know, again, head into the shield break, hopefully in, in good shape. We're second at the minute, so um, yeah, good performance up there will be um, will be really important. So we'll keep our eye on the prize there for the next week or so, but in the background, we're, we're starting to move into, into orange and black. Yeah, good stuff. Kay, thanks for your time, uh, and we'll keep in touch here at SENWA Sports Day WA with yours truly. Thanks for bringing us up to date with everything that's happening uh, on the field and on the pitch when it comes to WA cricket. Thanks for your time. No worries. Good on you, Pete. Cheers, mate. Kate Harvey there, the WA Cricket uh, General Manager of High Performance. Hey, Cameron Green could be playing a Sheffield Shield game against Queensland, which would be interesting. As Kate pointed out, uh, he was sort of left out for the most part of the World Cup, the ODI World Cup that Australia won. He just seemed a bit tired, a bit fatigued. He stuck around India to be part of the group, as Alex Carey did, played that first game in the World Cup tournament, and then uh, Josh Inglis took over, but he stuck around as well, and they all took part in the celebrations at the end. Just before I go, just letting you know, with this uh, incredible heat we're experiencing at the moment, uh, a quick community update thanks to Firecoat. Be alert and be prepared this bushfire season. Stay up to date on all bushfire warnings online with the Department of Fire and Emergency Services. All you need to do is visit DFES dfes.wa.gov.au. And this community update is thanks to new Firecoat, 
the first paint proven to protect property in high-risk fire conditions, and it's available at Bunnings Warehouse. Thanks for joining us on the program. Uh, thanks very much to Paul Heath, my producer, and also Brian, who's panelled the program. I'll be back again tomorrow from 5 o'clock for the final Sports Day WA program of the week. All thanks to the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the Complete Tool Centre, serving WA for over 45 years. Have a great uh, Wednesday night. Stay cool if you can, and we'll catch you tomorrow from 5. <laughs>